One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Extra Shot, our weekly pod spilling the funniest stories in sport this week. My name is Jack Rivlin. I'm joined as ever by Zach. Hello. Hello, mate. This week on the pod, we're talking Hyung Min Son's hotel scrap. Messi sparks a diplomatic incident and there is a love triangle in the FA Cup. Uh, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not too, not too bad. Enjoyed the fairy tale wins in international football this this weekend. I did, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the Ivory Coast one. Mm. Uh, Qatar seems like a little bit less of a fairy tale. I feel like I was, I was pretty surprised to see they've won back to back Asian Cups. Yeah. When, I mean, my memory of them from the World Cup was <laughs> they were pretty, pretty shit. They were shy. Actually, the guy who scored a hat trick of penalties in the final wasn't in the World Cup. I think. Oh, okay, so do you think that's the yeah? He did. He did. He celebrated his first goal by doing a magic trick with cards. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So maybe they missed a bit of his sorcery in the World Cup. Yeah, I know. It, it is weird, and they were hosts as well. What's his next trick? Hey, yeah, for, for my next trick, I will secure the hosting rights to Euro 2032, <laughs> something like that. Um, also, how does South Korea never win it? They're pretty good. I was thinking because we looked this up, and they they haven't won it since 1960, mm. which I I thought they should. They should clean up, really. Yeah, well, they got to the semi-finals this time, and they lost a shock defeat to Jordan, and that is perhaps because of an incident in the hotel the night before involving Hyung Min Son. So apparently, the he's the captain, obviously, and all, all the Korean squad in the hotel were eating dinner the night before, and apparently, Son views this as like an important part of the team bonding that they all eat together. Um, but some of the younger players wanted to wanted to get down so they could go and play ping pong. It's <laughs> um, real, real younger player move. You're not leaving the table till you finish your greens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Son's the stern parent. Yeah. So it actually did pan out a bit like that because apparently, led by PSG star Lee Kang In, the younger players like stormed off, refused to sit at the table, and and then when Son had a go at them, there was this like massive war of words. They were all abusing him, and a fight broke out, and Son dislocated his fingers. Dislocated his finger. Yeah. It's got to be. I mean, that's a that's a pretty rough fight if you're dislocating your fingers. Surely, yeah. The, the official line from the Korean camp is that he was breaking up the fight. But given <laughs> that he was the one getting abused, I don't know. He doesn't strike me as dragging a f- people apart. Yeah, I think, and you can see how that would hurt your fingers. And his fingers were strapped in the game against Jordan, which they lost. I mean, he, I can't really imagine him engaged in a fight. Yeah, I mean, he's what happens when you try and leave the dinner table. He's he's. He's quite a surprising guy. Like sometimes he'll cry. Yeah, I mean he has the, he has this image as uh, as being really like humble. I was chatting to a friend of mine from South Korea, and she said that um, a friend of hers went to a to a, an arts university, and the, a girl who was there was dating Son. And yeah, you, we we think of him as like the the most humble player in the Premier League. And she was saying that he he like turned up to this event 
in his like Bugatti and stepped out in like designer designer clothes and sunglasses and just like swanned in as like because he's, he's there he is like the biggest celebrity he endorses everything um but it's just quite funny this contrast between yeah the image that we have of him yeah and i think i i can kind of see the south korean thing in a bit more light now that like they're quite a highly strung football nation a bit like england there's a lot of pressure yeah. so i can sort of see how that all panned out but yeah nice entertaining start to the week um did you have a good pancake day speaking of this good week? i did have a good pancake day have any nice new I had, recipes I had pancakes at lunch and dinner didn't you have you had korean style i had korea korea in style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fingers <laughs> yeah yeah very nice korean pancakes uh, with with kimchi and uh, some soy sauce on them, beautiful. Yeah, it was it was very nice. I've actually got a good good pancake day related story for you. So so if you've seen recently, there's this, um, this Twitter thread going around about all of the things that Liverpool fans have claimed to have invented. We'll link to it in the in the show notes. But Curtis Jones sort of jumped on that bandwagon this week when he accused Mikel Arteta of copying. Jurgen Klopp's um, habit of celebrating with the fans at the end of matches and pumping his fist. So Curtis claims that this was this is Jurgen's thing. For many years, you know, we've always been a team that you know the our fans have spoken spoken about and the gaffer himself, you know, the way he yeah. fist pumps the, the um, fans and stuff. That's kind of like our thing. So if they want to be ste- stealing our stuff, then it shows that we're on the right path and that we've got the easy copying us. God, they just like self mythologize so much that yeah. they invented. Is it fist bumps or fist pumps? Fist pumps, as you know, you know the way Jurgen Klopp goes at the end of the matches and like yeah. pumps to the crowd. So he's, he's not invented that. Come That's on, where everyone <laughs> celebrates. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I can't. I can't quite believe that I'm saying this, but the Liverpool Echo, the local newspaper in Liverpool, is now claiming that Scousers invented the name Pancake Day. <laughs> Did you know, right, that Scousers are the only people that call Pancake Day, Pancake Day? The official name for the day is Shrove Tuesday, but us Scousers only call it Pancake Day or Pancake Tuesday. <laughs> Everyone I know calls it Pancake Day. I've never heard anyone call it Shrove Tuesday. Maybe my granny on the way to church. You're enjoying Ash Wednesday. <laughs> Wishing them all a very happy Maundy Thursday. Up yeah, in counting down the days. Ascension Sunday is coming up, I think. Did you know the Scousers are the only ones who call it Christmas Day? Everyone else calls it the Feast of Michaelmas. <laughs> I think that is technically not the name, if you know the, the Christian calendar. Yeah. Do they actually think that? I don't know. I, like, I saw this and I, I first thought it was a piss take, but there is actually an, an article on the Liverpool Echo website claiming that again. If, if it is a troll, it's actually a really good one. Yeah. So it's been quite a meteoric rise for Luke Littler. So six months ago, he was locked in his gaming dungeon, spending his £10 pocket money on FIFA Ultimate Team. And these days he's he's shooting nine darters with Christian Eriksen and basking in free kebabs for life. <laughs> um, so Luke won his first Players' Championship tournament last week, this week, I think. And you know, he, he just seems to be popping up everywhere at the moment. So he was invited along to Old Trafford a few weeks ago to to meet Sir Alex Ferguson. And Luke's a big United fan, so you think that's that's a big honour for him. Unfortunately, Fergie's quest to impart a few pearls of wisdom to to Luke didn't quite go to plan. Chatting to Sir Alex as well. What a dream! It was just it was crazy to meet him. Obviously, my dad and my manager they've witnessed all of his glory years, the '99. 
Um, I didn't really get much out of him because of his accent, but I did say, I did hear him stick to it and stick at it. Because of his accent. Because of his accent. I, just, I love this image of Fergie trying desperately to, to regale Luke with stories about Cristiano Ronaldo's unmatchable mentality and, and Luke just blankly nodding and smiling <laughs> also the way he says because of his accent it's like is sort of like Fergie's like unwell and we all like yeah. obviously because of the state he's in like we all should know yeah his accent's not that thick yeah you're being introduced to like a senile relative yeah exactly <laughs> but I mean to be fair Luke was born in 2007 so he must have been six when um when Fergie retired oh so he's got no like personal experience of United being good really he probably yeah. he doesn't remember Fergie's like last six years. It's anyway. a little bit like when you know when your mum spots some old actor on TV and is sort of like, oh, he was he was so good looking when, yeah, yeah. when he was a boy. Yeah, sort of how I feel about like hearing about like Don Revie or something. I'm like, I get that he was obviously really good, and I have now read up on it. Yeah, um, one man who who had a little more luck picking Fergie's brains is Stuart Pearce. So. Stuart was telling the story that a few years ago he was in a fantasy football tournament at his son's school and it came to like the final week of the season and his son, his eight-year-old son, so aka him, was uh, <laughs> neck and neck with the school headmaster in, in the league and he's looking for any way to to get the, get the marginal gains in to, to win this league and he calls up Sir Alex Ferguson under the guise of being England under 21 manager and asks him, he's like, oh, it's just, just, just wondering, Fergie, who are you going to be playing this weekend? Phil Jones or Chris Smalling? It's just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of coming down to watch the game. And Fergie is obviously, you know, he thinks he's just coming on a scouting mission. So he tells him, you know, like Chris, Chris Smalling is going to be starting. So Stuart then transfers him into the team. United get a clean sheet and he wins the fantasy football league by a point. <laughs> Against the headmaster. Against the headmaster. <laughs> Presumably the headmaster only found out when Piers revealed this in an interview. Yeah, I guess so. There was a thing about like loads of players were um, giving away their team selections in fantasy football, weren't they? Because like, a lot of players obviously play it, Premier League players, and they would drop a teammate or something. Oh, because they knew that yeah, they yeah. weren't going to play it. The weekend, I, I've seen yeah. the fantasy football nerds sometimes saying like, oh, this is evidence that someone's going to be out with injury and stuff. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny to Stuart Piers. I sometimes find him a bit unsmiling, but... Yeah, I'm just a bit scared of him. Yeah, he's got some good tales. We'll, we'll do an episode on. on yeah, no, he's he's a, he's a good character. Yeah. Right. Last week we told you how Leon Messi's no show in Hong Kong had sparked outrage among the locals. Uh, they were demanding refunds when he didn't didn't play any minutes in into Miami's friendly in in Hong Kong, and they were kicking the he- his head off cardboard cutouts at one really? point. It got, it got quite vicious. Uh, anyway, now it's escalated into a full blown diplomatic incident. Uh, so a couple of days after the match, Hong Kong politician Regina Ip waded in and she said, Messi should never be allowed to return to Hong Kong. His lies and hypocrisy are disgusting. So, you know, pretty strong stuff. I just don't get like, he, he was injured. Surely, <laughs> please, like, give the guy a break. Well, he was injured, Zach, but he then had the audacity to play 30 minutes of Inter Miami's next friendly, which was in, of all places, Japan, China's hated rivals. Um, and this obviously went down like a bucket of cold sick in China. And it went to 
quite a high level of government, quite a long way above Regina Ip's head. In fact, the ruling Communist Party have now cancelled Argentina's tour of China. So um, Argentina and Messi were due to play some friendlies in the country against, I think, Nigeria and Ivory Coast. And they've now said they're not happening in retaliation for Messi's disrespect of being injured. (laughs) Yeah, I just have this image of Xi Jinping in the war room in Zhongnanhai. And he's having a busy day crushing Taiwanese dissent and (laughs) shipping artillery shells to Putin. And suddenly an aide bursts in and is like, Comrade Xi, there is an urgent matter of national importance. And everyone, the room falls silent and he's like, Leo Messi has just been spotted making a cameo against Vissel Kobe. <laughs> 30 minute cameo. And the whole, I'm imagining the whole room's in silence as this, you know, great political mind ponders his next move. And he considers a full scale invasion of Patagonia or adding import tariffs to Picanha steaks. And eventually he just says, cancel the friendly tour. Yeah, I mean that's that's quite a quite a measured response for uh, for Xi Jinping. True, although for anyone else, could have thrown could have thrown the entire Argentina squad in a forced labour camp. In there. <laughs> but also, as you just said, what part of him being injured do they not understand? Yeah, yeah. So what's he supposed to do? Yeah, it does. I don't know. It's it's really just seeing sport as this like business spectacle, isn't it? Yeah, um, and also just thinking that the whole world has to behave like one of your citizens. I mean, I doubt. Messi really gives a shit. He's bigger than governments, isn't he? So they think that this was a sort of planned slight on the Chinese nation that, you know, they they didn't want to endorse the government by pandering to them and playing Messi. Is that the... Is yeah, that the whole... and apparently the new the new Argentine prime minister, you know, the guy who everyone says looks like a sort of like Welsh policeman from the 70s, <laughs> he um, <laughs> he's really anti-China, so they think it's part of some conspiracy. Um, and I think Messi doesn't really give a shit, but one person who is really sweating is David Beckham, who obviously owns into Miami. Uh, and, and Bex takes his sort of like global popularity quite seriously, his, bla- his brand. Anyway, I think to try and smooth things over, he released a Chinese New Year message on Weibo because it was Chinese New Year on Saturday. Happy New Year to all our Chinese listeners. Um, here's the message. It's, it's quite enjoyable. Anyway, that's that's David Beckham basically saying Happy Chinese New Year from Inter Miami Stadium, hoping it's going to smooth over the incident, but it just made it worse. So then he got loads of abuse under his message um, from Chinese fans. I say fans, possibly. Yeah, they already booed him off at yeah. uh, Hong, in Hong Kong, didn't they? So Beckham's personal brand is at stake. And apparently Chinese fans are now abusing the Argentine embassy on social media. And their main line of attack is they're all just telling them that the Falkland Islands are British because <laughs> they know how much that will piss them off. <laughs> Fair enough, they've, they've done their research. Yeah, yeah. which again, though, just one more time. What part of him being injured do they not understand? Like, what's the one? This is, this is, like, we've been talking about this for like two weeks now. <laughs> I really hope it just keeps going. Yeah. Like, there's going to be a sort of Argentine task force in the South China Sea. Yeah. I mean, if, if China's pretty powerful in the global economy, they could probably, I mean, Argentina's struggling enough as it is if they, if they shut down imports then uh do you think this, this, this story ends with messi like kowtowing to the general secretary and like having to do an apology yeah maybe we'll go and file past chairman mao's uh mausoleum yeah looking very grave and apologetic <laughs> i think it honestly could go that way but equally if i'm messy i'd just be like i don't care 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. At the time of recording, not only is it Ash Wednesday, but it's also Valentine's Day. And Jack, I know you're probably going to spend this evening scouring a BP forecourt for a miserable bunch of wilting roses. But while you do that, there will be a fairy tale unfolding in women's football. So Irish stars Katie McCabe and Ruesha Littlejohn were a couple for seven years, but they split up just before last summer's World Cup. So it was, it was the first World Cup that Ireland's women team had ever qualified for. Shortly after their breakup, rumours began to swirl that Katie was now dating her Australian Arsenal teammate, Caitlin Ford. So Ford had posted pictures of the pair of them on holiday together, looking looking pretty pretty loved up. Um, so obviously this was you know, a bit of a bit of an issue for the for the Irish team coming into the World Cup. And then in delicious drama, Ireland were drawn against Australia for the opening game of the of the World Cup. So this was obviously Katie and her ex playing for Ireland against her her new girlfriend. And boy did it live up to the billing. So Little John refused to shake Caitlin's Ford's hand in the as a team line teams lined up. She did a bit of a John Terry and Wayne, uh, Wayne Bridge. Bridge. Did did she shake her ex's hand? Well, they were playing on the same team, oh, sorry, okay. so didn't have Just to. ignored each other. <laughs> um, didn't pass to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was that was that was the in the in the pre-match lineup, and then at full time, she squared up to her love rival, and her teammates had to drag her away. Um, so amazing. Yeah. So this must have been very awkward in the in the island camp for the for the whole tournament, I imagine. But since then. Uh, Katie McCabe and Caitlin Ford, the, the two Arsenal teammates, have made their relationship official. And on this most romantic of days, there is a new twist. So tonight, Ford and McCabe will line up for Arsenal in an FA Cup Valentine's Day clash against Russia Littlejohn's London City Lionesses. Excellent. Battle of the X's. The Battle of the X's, yeah. So obviously this is... 
we're recording this on Wednesday, so we so we don't actually know if there'll be any more juicy drama. But if there is, then I'm sure you'll be able to read about it in our in our Friday email. Oh, yeah, we'll put it in the um, newsletter. Yeah. yeah, we'll put it in the newsletter, and which you can sign up for at upshot.email, and maybe we'll give you a little update next week as well on the pod. God, I'm really hoping. There's... I know. I hope there's a. Whose side are you on? Um, I. I feel a bit sorry for Rusha Little, John. I'm pretty sorry for her. I, she's been jilted. And was there some overlap in their relationships? Who knows? I yeah, I'd I'd love to have been a fly on the wall for the for the island camp. It's it's, it's quite like that um, snooker battle of the exes. Do you remember there was that couple who were married, Mark Evans and Rianne? I'm oh, sorry, Mark Mark Allen and Rianne Evans, and they were married. They've got a kid together, but they didn't even speak. And she got added to the men's to a men's tournament and he gave some like really sniffy interview where he was like well I don't see what the women's players are going to add to this obviously meaning my hated ex-wife and like there was another time where he I think she so she was on punditry duty for this match and he was like he was warming up um, on the table and the the punditry box was in view of the table and he demanded that she was kicked out of the yeah. the pundit studio and then they got drawn <laughs> so against each other yeah they got drawn against and each other didn't one of them refuse to fist bump the other and then she nearly won she lost he's he's like a pretty top player yeah but that's good a bit of simmering hatred that's yeah, what we want that's great but to have it on valentine's day that's really something yeah or as they call it in liverpool valentine's day <laughs> <laughs> Actually, while we're on the on the subject of Valentine's Day, my my favourite Valentine's Day story is uh, do you remember a few years ago, Blaze Matweedy posted a sort of very cookie cutter uh, Valentine's Day tweet to his to his other half, along with a, a screenshot of a picture of the two of them, which was unfortunately slightly spoiled by the fact that he'd failed to hide his Google search for Matweedy wife in the in the screenshot. It literally had Matweedy femme in the Google, Google search bar, Matweedy wife in French. You know, it's like he could have at least typed out her name. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever your name is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's an absolute classic. That makes those two ninety nine four court roses look like quite a touching yeah. gesture, actually. Yeah. If my wife is listening. When it comes to cooking, we've all got our personal twists on traditional dishes cream in the scrambled eggs, an extra glug of brandy in the Dundee cake. Or if you're the grandfather of 15-year-old Russian skater Camilla Valieva, you sprinkle 2.1 nanograms of trimetazine into your pavlova mix. <laughs> uh, so you, you might remember Camilla Valieva during the Winter Olympics. She was that 15-year-old skater who got, she failed a, a drugs test. Which was like... Everyone was very much on her side at that point, right? Well, it's like, at 15, how responsible can you really be? Um, she's now 17 and is is denying that she had any intention to dope. Um, her defense is that she swallowed this banned drug after her granddad made a strawberry pudding with the same knife that he'd used to crush up his heart medication pills, which is... That's a, that's a new one. It's pretty creative. I mean, I'm not sure why her dedushka was racking up lines of his angina meds. Like, why was yeah. he crushing them? Yeah, I guess surely like, you just have, a, you have that with your... Your uh, orange squash in the morning. Yeah, you're not, not meant to snort them. I guess maybe it's to make them easier to swallow because she did also say that it could have been that she shared a water glass with him and he sort of like had the, the residue on his lips. Um, how, how accurate are these drug tests? Because people always seem to come out with these excuses of really obscure ways that they might have come into contact with them. Yeah, I mean, she also had two legal heart medications in her system. So I think 
I don't believe her personally. I think if, you, if a 15 year old is taking heart medications, then it's not a stretch that they took an illegal one. But yeah, I mean, we have a, we have a, a regular award for creative excuses, which I like to call the I slipped, fell and landed ass first on the ketchup bottle award for excuses. Couple of other good examples. So jockey Oshin Murphy, he claimed that he'd somehow absorbed cocaine from a woman he slept with. Uh, yeah, he got his he got his sentence cut in half by saying that they bought it. The horse racing authorities. I mean, horse racing is rife with coke. So yeah, so how what's he? How is he saying that they came into contact? Was it through kissing or was it? Oh, I don't other, know. That, yeah, other, yeah, sprinkled on other areas. I think you can you can take it that way, can't you? Oh, what? I mean, you could just shaft it. Yeah, I mean, maybe up the bum as well with a straw. I don't, I don't know what sexual activity he's claiming to have partaken in. Or yeah, he probably had. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seem quite clued up on these. Oh, uh, I've got this friend. <laughs> I have heard, but or it could have been kissing, more likely. Yeah, he said sexual contact though, so who knows? And then um, Tyson Fury said he'd ingested nandrolone by eating boar's testicles, which for me was sort of mainly a sort of macho flex thing. That's very, it's like his, his dad claims to like have spent Christmas day alone in the woods eating rabbit stew, <laughs> which is, yeah. So I think that was a macho thing going on there. But actually there's a 1500 meter runner called Shelby Houlihan in America who also said she got nandrolone from pork. She said, I'd eaten a pork burrito from a quote, authentic Mexican food truck. <laughs> I love the way she describes that. It's like TripAdvisor review, five stars, lovely little place, but it did cost me my entire career. Yeah. Is, is nandrolone a, naturally occurring thing is it a bit yeah, like um, but i think you've got what's to eat the stuff that's in red bull taurine taurine yeah yeah i think that's that's legal though isn't it but uh, nandrolone i think yeah you can get it from eating a lot of a lot of water yeah but like a lot um but anyway they didn't buy shelby's excuse she got banned for four years and she now competes in beer miles which is where you do you do laps of a 400 meter track and you have to neck a beer on every lap sounds bleak um do they do they mind that there I, th- I think yes. they turn a blind eye to nandrolone intake because, yeah, they should watch her. Inter- didn't she Didn't she set the world record for that as well? What, the BMI world record? Uh, I didn't know that. She was probably on the on the 0.0% coronas <laughs> from that same Mexican food truck. <laughs> she just can't be trusted. Well, actually, I can think of a good new opportunity for her, which is the Enhanced Games is coming. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, so the Enhanced Games is it's the brainchild of some very sinister Silicon Valley billionaires. And it's it's literally the Olympics, but with no drug testing. Um, and they they are planning a mini event, I think, this year. And they're offering a $1.5 million prize to anyone who can break the world record in one of the swimming events. Not sure which one. Um, and uh, Aussie swimmer James Magnuson, who I think was like a reasonable competitor, he's thrown his hat in the ring. Uh, he said, I'm going to juice to the gills and I'll break it within six months. Um, which, do you think he will? I don't know how, yeah, I, I guess so. If, 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 always, if, he must be pretty good already if he, yeah, if he thinks he can. He can wear the band swimsuit as well, which will probably oh, okay. help. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you think that this games will result in someone breaking like Usain Bolt's world record? 100 metres. That would, that would be great because, I mean, that's, that's always been the argument with, with doping in the Olympics. It's just like, why not just, just let them do it? This is, it's, it's sort of like an Olympics for pharmacists, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The real medal should go to the, the doping agents. Yeah. It's, it's, it makes it a little bit more like F1. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of streamlined. 
their bodies. Yeah, I think you can now see horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible experimental drugs. Yeah, it could get quite Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually all for it. Let the mutants run. Let's see a seven second hundred meters. Yeah. Do you think Russia are going to be really fucking good in it? <laughs> Camilla Valieva's granddad suddenly like coaching. He's the first one to do a quadruple pirouette. Yeah, yeah. And all they ate was this pavlova beforehand. <laughs> Uh, there was some quite good criticism from an Australian journalist. She said, this is the grotesque games. You'll have condoms full of walnuts walking around saying, I am the best. <laughs> so I think that, that condom full of walnuts is a description of like a really oh. muscle bound. And she said, it'll, it'll be the roid rage games. I mean, like, I get the safety argument, but is that that different to boxing or UFC or even like rugby at this stage? For steroids, what do you mean? I just mean like we tolerate all kinds of entertainment that's really bad for the health of the performers. Yeah, I guess. Um, so why not just pump them full of roids? Yeah, I mean, if 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 uh, if that's a risk that the athletes are willing to take, then yeah, it's, it's the same. It's the same with boxing. Like you see that they've all got <laughs> dementia and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> gone down a serious route for us. We do have a serious side. Uh, although I am looking forward to watching the enhanced games and thank you to Peter Thiel, the shady billionaire for backing it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that is the last time we'll be thanking Peter Thiel on this podcast. So it was a pretty quiet transfer window this time around. I always have a lot of sympathy for players that when when the, the sort of deadline day comes around, they've got to up sticks and move across the country or across the world at the whim of some shady chairman. Um and that's before you even think about the family. So we, we did a story a couple of weeks ago about Riyad Mahrez. There was that clip of him breaking it to his wife that they'd be moving to Saudi and she sort of burst into tears and he just responds saying, it's part of the game, isn't it? <laughs> I saw someone comment on the video of him saying that, saying it looks like that was one of the 10 sentences he said that day. Yeah. <laughs> also, did you see the interview with her? Now she's moved to Saudi and she's like, I, I was really worried about it. And then I arrived and I saw they've got Nando. So it's actually all right. <laughs> Just settling in for sort of clutching at straws, really. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um, but anyway, another player fell foul of the uh, the roulette wheel of deadline day this time around, and that was American forward Duncan Maguire, who to me sounds a little bit like the calamitous American cousin of Harry Maguire, who'd come and stay for the summer and get into some sort of calamitous japes. Yeah. In Mykonos, or um, in, maybe in Mykonos, or I'm just imagining him sort of in his in his mum's attic, just in the in the sort of bedroom upstairs. Cousin Duncan, cousin Duncan is it? <laughs> cousin Duncan's here. Anyway, Duncan plays for the Orlando Pirates, and they were at the end of January away on a, a warm weather training camp in Mexico when a deadline day bid came in from Championship side Blackburn Rovers, and. You know, I like to imagine that this was a bit of a dream come true for for Duncan and that growing up, he'd plastered the walls of his bedroom in Omaha, Nebraska with pictures of Morton Gamp's Pedersen and he'd spent his weekends doing paint by numbers of Blackburn Cathedral. Um, but unfortunately for Duncan, his, his dreams were about to be crushed because after boarding his flight to Lancashire and finally logging onto the crappy BA Wi-Fi, he discovered that his transfer had fallen through. So it turned out that the bumbling admin staff at Blackburn had accidentally pressed save instead of submit on the online paperwork for his move. So the the move didn't go through. So no sooner had he landed in, in the UK than he was boarding the first flight back to Orlando 
and well, the dream was over the dream was over yeah so he, he has not moved he hasn't moved he didn't oh even have God. time to check out the the giant asda in blackburn before he had to get his plane <laughs> never tasted back. a lancashire hot pot exactly yeah. never will. tragic tragic but it reminded me of another story because it's not the first time that blackburn rovers hapless admin team have cost their club a, a star signing so back in 1993 blackburn manager kelly dalgleish was over the moon he'd shaken hands with nottingham forest youngster roy Keane on a club record transfer to blackburn um he then called up the blackburn office to get them to fax through a contract but you know it was a sunny afternoon sunny friday afternoon in the middle of the summer and everybody had clocked off early to go to the pub so he sort of made his apologies to Roy and they agreed that first thing Monday morning Roy had come back in and they'd get the contract signed off so Roy then you know went off to enjoy his weekend flew back to Cork um, to, to spend the weekend with his family when Sir Alex Ferguson somehow managed to get through to him and they they had a phone conversation where Sir Alex basically convinced Roy to join Man United instead and Monday morning, Roy had to call up Kelly Dalglish to let him know that I'm not not going to be coming in. I'm actually going to be going to United instead. And obviously, Kenny was very, very pissed off about this. And he he said to Keane, nobody does this to me. Nobody does this to Kenny Dalglish. You're a wee bastard and you won't get away with this. He apparently even threatened to to hunt Roy down in Ayanapa where he was uh, he was heading off on a lad's holiday. But Roy Keane was in Ayanapa. Yeah, it's yeah, hard to picture. Yeah, he, did, he liked to drink, didn't he? In his younger yeah, days. there was that, that other story. I think we told it on the, the Roy Keane podcast of him going to uh, the the hacienda oh, yeah. night out. Although I don't, don't think he got too into it there. He just like slowly sipped a Guinness on yeah, a bar sort of stool. Stood at, stood at the edge of the dance floor, surveying it. Yeah, yeah. Drank a Guinness, and but then he also did, he did go on the piss because he also they had that fight with Schmeichel in like Hong Kong or somewhere where they're fighting in the hotel corridor, and then Bobby Charlton just comes out of his room in his pants just as keen as headbutting Schmeichel. Yeah. So he obviously likes scrap. Kenny Dalglish also comes across as a bit of a, not a wanker in that. I can see why he's angry, but, you know, you think of him as quite a sort of like gentle national treasure. Yeah, I think this is again us being a little bit young. Bit, bit young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah by, the, by the time he was back managing Liverpool, he was quite... Yeah, he was, bef- <laughs> was gentle. I was going to yeah. say frail. He wasn't frail. <laughs> Fuck, so literally just because Blackburn's staff went to the pub on a yeah, Friday afternoon. Missed, yeah, they missed out on signing Roy Keane. What oh. might have been? That's, there's something gloriously unprofessional about that. That's like nice 90s football stuff, but also, come on. Yeah, well, I mean, sounds like they've still got the same admin staff in there these days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think people look back on this incident being like, oh, that's so quaint that they yeah. like didn't hit the save button? Yeah. I mean, that is a big old fuck up. It's just incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> Right, Zach, we've had a letter from a from a listener. Yeah, we do love them. Please email us at contact@upshot.email if you want to write in. So last week we told you the story about John Terry, who'd been going around Chelsea's Cobham training ground, turning off all the plug switches because he didn't want any red showing because it reminded him of all their hated rivals. And Ollie has emailed in with a similar story about Tottenham chairman Dan Levy. Uh, so Ollie says, Levy is hell-bent on making sure there's absolutely no red anywhere in the stadium or the training ground. So when Spurs built their new stadium, he banned red fire extinguishers. And he was also really worried about the use of red cranes to build the ground, because apparently cranes are usually red when you rent them. And he didn't want red towering over the ground for months on end. 
It was his new centerpiece. So instead, he insisted on buying the cranes instead of renting them and spraying them blue with the Tottenham crest on. Wow. And actually, I have checked. The the cranes were blue and did have crests on them. And come to think of it, cranes are usually red. Do you think, would there have been anybody who was passing by the Tottenham Stadium and genuinely was like, this is a a fucking disgrace. There's a red crane on our our site. I actually think, given how fucking childish people are in the football world, like, I mean, we talked about last week, Carlo Ancelotti having too many red baubles on his Christmas tree and getting shit from Everton fans. So I, I don't think it's impossible that they would have got shit for that, especially as they were towering over. But it's pretty pedantic. And it's also it's quite out of character for Dan Levy because he's so he's, he has this reputation as being so sort of miserly. The yeah. fact that he'd splash out. I, I imagine a crane. I've never bought a crane, <laughs> unsurprisingly, but uh, I imagine they're pretty pricey. Yeah, and what do you do with them afterwards? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the point of him being stingy, Alex Ferguson, who's been mentioned before on this pod, Alex Ferguson once said that striking a deal with Levy was more painful than my hip replacement. And they are famously painful. Um, and there's that there's that story about when Tottenham bought Luka Modric and they bought him from Dinamo Zagreb. And the Zagreb director said later, after we agreed the transfer of Luka Modric to Tottenham, I politely asked Dan Levy for five of Luka's new jerseys. Levy gave them to me, but the invoice for the transfer, which was 23 million euros, was minus the value of the jerseys. <laughs> it's like 200 quid. <laughs> On a twenty-three million pound deal. Yeah, to be fair, he's got cranes to buy and spray, so it's expensive stuff. Actually, there's another good story about stingy football clubs. Ibrahimovic wrote in his in his autobiography. He said that when he did that season at Man United, they paid him five million quid, but in one of his paychecks, they deducted a pound for a bottle of fruit juice that he took out of a hotel minibar. <laughs> which I just can't get my head around that. Every little helps. Yeah, it really does. Anyway, thanks to Ollie for sending in that Levy story. Um, keep them coming. Con- contact at upshot.email or DM us on Insta and Twitter, Upshot Towers. I remember, sorry, to go back to your uh, hotel bar story, I remember, I remember staying, for the first, first time I ever stayed in a hotel on my own, I didn't quite get the concept of hotel minibar. And... Uh, yeah, I just I just thought that the, the mini bar was part of the was included in the price, so right. so just like cracked into the hotel mini bar and then like sent pictures to my friends of like <laughs> me like drinking the wine. They were like, yeah, you know, they, you know, they're pretty expensive. Yeah, I was like, fuck. So then had to had to own up to the uh, um to the hotel reception. So they let you off? No, <laughs> I was like sorry, I've just accidentally drunk a miniature bottle of miniature bottles of wine and two <laughs> cans of. Heineken. <laughs> 10 euro water bottle yeah. and some like biscuit husks. Yeah. <laughs> They're always shit, many bars. Always so disappointing. Um, well, one, one Dan Levy link I wanted to mention. Dan Levy isn't actually the money behind Tottenham, of course. He's like, he's the appointee of Joe Lewis, who's, who's the guy who's bankrolled them for all these years. And Joe Lewis is an 86 year old billionaire with the unmistakable leathery hue of a Bahamas tax exile. Uh, and he's in a bit of a pickle at the moment is old Joe. So he's stuck in the US where he's pleaded guilty to insider trading. Um, He gave some stock tips to a pilot from Shrewsbury and the 29-year-old former Miss US Virgin Islands. So he he told these two to lump on a load of money 
um, on these on these stocks because he'd heard some inside info that they were going to go up. And um, unfortunately, the FBI got wise to this. And it turned out that uh, one of the people he'd given stock tips to was an employee and the other was a romantic interest. Mm-hmm. I think you can guess which one's which. <laughs> um, anyway, and the, pi- the pilot and US, Mrs. U.S. Virgin Islands piled on um, and he's now he's now facing jail or at least a very big fine. Wow. Uh, and if you're wondering why he did this, so he, he gave the pilot the tips instead of giving him a pension plan, which was... <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a Dan Levy move. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just give him the pension. It's like, now I'll get these shares to pay for it. Um, you probably don't need me to explain why he would give a stock tip to the to the 29-year-old Miss US Virgin Islands. Yeah, I think we can, can probably fill in the gaps... Yeah, what I just love the idea of this this FBI investigation running on for years, and they're just like scratching their brains for how 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 they can uh, who's how are people getting these uh, these insider tips, and then it's suddenly like pilot from Shrewsbury and the twenty nine year old Miss US Virgin Islands. How to, how how on earth could these two be connected? And it's like ah yeah, uh, right, they go they go on his Instagram, and he's got like his hand around the waist of the beauty yeah, queen beside his private jet. Yeah, and the pilots in the background, thumbs up with the headset on, <laughs> looking like he's just made half a meal on <laughs> some dodgy share tips. It was some like bioscience company yeah. or something. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see what happens with Joe Lewis, but uh, and a nice uh, interesting Tottenham story there. My struggle to spray paint his next set of cranes. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we got time for. Yep. So thanks, Zach. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.